What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Make It Work podcast. This is Stephanie. And this is Morgan. And you know the drill. We're going to keep this part short today because we got a super fucking important episode today. Um, Rate, review, subscribe. And I think this one's going to be really important to share. The whole goal of this one is to share because we're doing big things today. Yeah, it's sharing in for this episode is probably the most important ever um, that we'll have at least up to date. This is the most important one to share. Obviously, the world right now is in a state. Yes. So we recognize that we have this platform as you know, little as it is, we have a loyal group of people who listen every week to our podcast and We want to talk about what's going on in the world with Black Lives Matter, police brutality, uh, racism, things like that. We've gone over anti-Semitism a little bit, so it's not new to us to to talk about topics like this, but obviously neither of us have any actual life experience with racism. So share as much as you can, as much as you're comfortable with, because we're kind of loaning out our platform today to a young woman who has every right to speak her truth and hopefully everybody listens and is receptive, recognizes how important it is and spreads the word. Amen. This is going to be an ongoing conversation for us. We are not done talking about this after today. If anything, Morgan and I have taken away from this week is that silence is essentially violence. It is been an issue. And just because we have an issue with it, us keeping our mouth shut is part of the problem. However, Although we plan on discussing things and organizing resources for you guys, we also understand what a fucking privilege it is to have this platform, to have all this equipment available to us, to have the audience we do because we love you guys. And God damn it, if we have some strong ass men and women who have been behind us and helping us with this and we want to share what we have and we have someone who they deserve this platform more than we do. So we want to kind of step aside, give them the opportunity to share their story, share their outlook, share what they think the world needs to know that we possibly can't because you also deserve to hear this and you deserve this information. And then we will work on organizing ourselves, but we're going to get fucking schooled today. It is a privilege that we get to be educated on this rather than having to have grown up in this ourselves, we recognize that, fuck, I don't have anything better to say because I'm just thankful that I have a small opportunity as a you to help and put someone's voice out there that deserves it. Right, and so normally with our podcast, the way that we format it is literally bullet points that we may or may not get to. There's no script. We are off the cuff and we just kind of shoot the shit the entire time, but we did write out something Short, just to kind of start off this episode, because at least for me, it's easier to get my thoughts out on paper and kind of edit things a little bit to make sure that I'm saying what I want to say, because you and I both have that problem where we can just talk and talk and talk, and then the message kind of gets skewed. So I do want to read something super short. I don't really think of this as a disclaimer. I just think of it as like our new truth, our new normal just to start off this episode so that no one gets the 
idea in their head that we're like leaning on our black friends to teach us things or that it's their responsibility to have any involvement in what Stephanie and I are doing. So, all right. We recognize that not only do we experience white privilege, but we also grew up with anything we ever wanted and are privileged in that regard as well. We will never understand what it is like to walk through life with black skin. We have always been, but are now more than ever horrified at how black people are treated in America. There is an obvious and stark contrast. We've grown up in a biased world and are working on examining our own biases and educating ourselves on why they exist and how we can remove them. Our job as privileged people is now to lend our voices, bodies, and access to those who need them. We're sorry it took this long to truly open up our eyes. We're learning and we'll do better from now on. I think you put it very eloquently. Again, this is just, this is step one, start one. This isn't the end of a conversation. And I I know I will say at least out front, short synopsis, I'm a daughter of an ex-cop. I'm a white Southern woman. I clearly grew up around bias that I would like to work on. And even if it's not intentional, I have no hate in my heart. I can see it. I've had my eyes opened. I want to work on it. I want to be better. And I'm embarrassed and sorry. And I want to be more. And I think silence, like I said earlier, is its own issue. And although I am fucking terrified of not doing this subject justice, this is the scariest episode I think we've ever recorded. I don't know if you'd agree. I would. But I think it's better for us to speak and know that we're in a constant narrative of willing to change our opinion and willing to learn and possibly say the wrong thing, but at least we're talking about it, than to be scared and say nothing. So without further ado, Morgan, you want to go ahead and take it away? Today we have a very special guest who wanted to come on Make It Work to discuss this important moment in time. She is a Black woman and has a perspective on life in America that Stephanie and I simply do not. We do have a few questions for her just to get the ball rolling, but it is absolutely not her job to teach us anything. The onus is on all of us to educate ourselves. I think one of the things that needs to come out of this is for white people to feel comfortable changing their opinions once they learn new things. This is not us asking black people what we can do to help. Stephanie and I will provide resources along the way. So without further ado, here is Rhea. Raya, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We appreciate you. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to get us started? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I'm a junior at the University of Tennessee, and I'm good friends with Sierra, um, Stephanie's sister. So that's kind of how I got introduced to y'all. But um, I study food science. I really want to go into the medical field, hopefully become a PA so that I can kind of eliminate some of the injustice that is also seen in the healthcare field, not just in society. There's a lot of just different disparities that different racial groups face when it comes to receiving healthcare, and there's not a lot of equality in that regard. Absolutely. I can definitely say we see that. I work at St. Thomas Midtown. I don't know if you've been in Nashville. Not really. It's just, you know, in a little bit lower socioeconomic area, and just the resources available just aren't there. Mm-hmm. funding's not there stuff isn't there it's pretty cool that you know you your career path even before you started you knew this is something that you want to make a huge difference in mm-hmm. um, it's important too it is important so with that do you know just a, curious because we're you know in medical field do you know what you want to do like emergency medicine women's medicine anything I am really torn between emergency and women's medicine which is funny that you said that so <laughs> 
I used to actually work in the emergency room. So last semester, I got to see a lot of people that don't have insurance. They can't just go to their primary care doctor because they simply just don't have one. So they have to go to the emergency room. So that would be a cool place to help people. But also women's health is really intriguing to me because again, a lot of people that don't go to the doctor actually go when they're pregnant. So you get to focus on more than just the baby. You get to focus on some of the care towards the mother that hasn't been seen before. Yeah. I'm glad I nailed it. So you really told me a little bit about you. Kind of seemed like a little bit of an adrenaline junkie like me. I'm in emergency medicine too. So I thought that might be the two fields that you were leaning towards just fire describing you. So that's pretty awesome. I think also talking about like contraception, women's health, even before the pregnancy, I can see how that would be, I mean, life-changing to have access to somebody or something like that or somebody who's open to a conversation and understanding things. I mean, what better field than healthcare? Exactly. Do you care if we start digging into the hard stuff? Let's get into it. All right. I think a huge thing with this topic, I had said in the intro, Sierra and I's dad was a cop when he was younger. So we grew up seeing these things. So we want to know, because we were told, respect them, respect cops, listen to what they say. Can you kind of give us a better idea? What was that like growing up for you? Mm -hmm. Kind of talk to us about that. I think my experience was completely different just because... I've seen a lot of posts on Instagram talking about white privilege and how you know your privilege if you never were sat down by your parents and had a conversation with them about what to do if you're pulled over. And for many Black children, that's just not the case. Um, They get this conversation at a very young age, especially Black men. They could be five years old and be receiving this conversation. And I'm sure a lot more of these conversations are being held right now during this time that we're experiencing. But growing up, it was more of like, respect the officer, but don't try and fight what they're saying. Even if you didn't do it, just go along with what they're saying. Be peaceful. Don't talk back. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Try your hardest to never speed, to never play your music too loud. And there's just a lot of precautions that you have to take. But I definitely respect police officers. But I've been seeing a lot of people that have been combating the Black Lives Matter hashtag with the Blue Lives Matter hashtag. And I saw something that really spoke to me because it's like police officers, they chose that field. They knew what they were getting into. And while they don't deserve to be targeted or, you know, they have a very dangerous job, they chose that field and they can always have the opportunity to leave it if they want to. But when you're a black individual, you can't change that. That's just who you are. And there's nothing you can do that can change the narrative that's already been composed when people first see you. Yeah. I can't even list, I'm sure Morgan's the same way, how much of that stuff I didn't grow up hearing. Playing loud music, I would, I jam all the time. I would never think twice. I'm a speed demon. I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I'm working really hard to express out saying the wrong thing or talk over at all, but I just can't imagine that perspective and that's what we're, what we're here for. But also there's a respect factor for police where they're even though they're at, they are at risk, it's like, oh, it's an honor. Mm-hmm. And not that it's not an honor to be born African-American, born black, born and any person of color, but you didn't get that choice. It's not you're a hero for driving in your car and speeding. Like your life is in danger just by being you and driving to the grocery store. 
Right. You can take a police officer uniform off at the end of the day or before you go into a store or before you get into your personal vehicle. No one would ever know that anybody was a cop by looking at them in their street clothes and people of color, black people just don't have that luxury. I was talking with my sister about the whole police thing, just kind of starting a conversation in my family. And, you know, it was a joke. It was a joke getting pulled over by the police, you know, flip your hair, bat your eyelashes, flash a tit. It was like, you'll get out of your ticket. No problem. Those were the kind of things that we would joke about when it came to getting pulled over by the police. It was never don't make any sudden movements, keep your hands on the steering wheel, be super careful. I just, I never got any of that lecture. No, I, and I can't imagine having to have that with your kids. Have you personally had any bad experiences or is it just kind of you try to avoid it at all costs? I have been pulled over once. Thank goodness the cop was really nice, but just because of all the horror stories that I've heard, Literally, he pulled me over and I couldn't say anything. I froze. He was like, you know, you were speeding. And I just looked at him and I was crying and I couldn't say anything. He just gave me the ticket and left because there was no dialogue. I was just frozen in fear. That's awful. I know. <laughs> I, like I, to not even be able to have a conversation with someone who is has chosen a profession where they're supposed to be looking out for everybody in their area. Yeah. Total bullshit. I'm going to be totally honest. Like I, there's situations like in the ER where I've seen cops and felt safer or like walking to my car. And there's situations where I've seen cops and I've been like, oh no, I'm speeding. But y'all, we can also see Rhea's face. The fear that you have in telling that story, I have never felt that. Like just the true fear and just getting like pulled over for speeding. I guess seeing you talk that I can't. And the most I've been scared of is that I don't want to pay a $200 ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally different ball game. I don't know. I just, this week, I just didn't, I wish I would have internalized this sooner. And I, I will personally apologize for not having done that yet. I definitely think that this week has brought attention to a lot of things that people were doing. I actually made a personal post on my Instagram talking about my experiences. And I had a lot of people that I went to high school with that reached out to me. But while I definitely appreciated the apologies, it kind of sucked that it took me making a post four years later for them to even realize that what they were doing was remotely racist. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad that it took us this wake up call. And that's what obviously, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I don't promote person on person violence in any way, but whatever is happening is getting everyone's attention and showing that just because, you know, I may not have personally done anything or been violent or been hateful, not burning something and not freaking the fuck out Mm -hmm. is its own problem. Exactly. I don't know. And I, I, I'm i sorry it took us this long for everybody to get the fuck on board. We do yeah. curse here. Hope that's okay with you. We have foul <laughs> mouse. I'm all about it. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. One of the things that I've seen a lot that I had never seen before, but has been a thing for a long time now that I'm looking into it is the whole anti-racist, mm-hmm. you know, vocabulary. At this point in time, the theme is it's not enough to just sit in your house and be like, well, I'm not racist. 
I don't hate black people. I don't judge people based off of the color of their skin. I vote for people who do the right thing when it comes to human rights. And it is just absolutely not enough anymore. It never was enough. And unfortunately, I'm only learning about this now. Maybe you can speak to this if you've experienced, you know, I'm sure you have little microaggressions, like what it sounds like you're talking about in high school, little things that it was like, oh, it was just a joke. Don't take it personally. People kind of like moving away from you or maybe like a dad or a brother if walking down the street. Um, so it's just inexcusable. It's not enough anymore to like sit up in our ivory towers and be like, well, I don't feel that way. And it's not my place. It's everybody's place. It's a human rights issue. We need to be getting involved. We need to be anti-racist. At this point, it is just not enough to not side with the people who are racist. Mm-hmm. We have to so, do that. Agree. We do. You're right. Do you want to talk about things from high school that you experienced, like any microaggressions like we talked about? And we'll plug your Instagram. So if people want to go look at the post you made, they can do that too. For sure. I think a lot of people think that they're not racist because of who they vote for or because they have black friends or because they're not killing people based on their color. But like you said, that's not enough. And a lot of what I experienced in high school were microaggressions but we like to call that covert racism because it's small little remarks that aren't overtly being racist, but in a sense it still is. So if you tell someone, oh, you're so smart for a black person, that's implying that black people aren't supposed to be smart. Oh, you talk so proper for a black person. That's implying that black people aren't supposed to talk proper. And so people think that they're giving you a compliment by saying that, but it's just, it's completely rude and racist. And my thing was, I never wanted to say anything about it because the narrative of black women that stand up for themselves is, oh, you're an angry black woman, you're aggressive. Oh, it was just a joke. But saying those things belittles the person that's receiving these racist remarks and telling them, oh, it's just a joke, get over it. I didn't mean it, that kind of thing. And honestly, my race was just a huge part of high school. It was a huge joke for me to be the black girl that was the Oreo, the black girl that talked a certain way and all these things. I literally, when I came to college, I thought that I had to date black men because those were the only men that would be interested in me because I had friends whose parents literally refused to let them date black boys. And for me, I was so confused. Why am I allowed to be friends with your daughter? I'm allowed to come to your house for a few hours, but you would be humiliated. You have a black man in your family. I I hadn't even thought about unpacking that. I mean, obviously you said dating black men. Have you dated black and white men? Have you personally had issues with their families not being accepting or... What has your experience been like dating? In high school, I just dated black guys because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I always dated people that were really similar to me, you know, preppy black guys that were also called Oreos. But then once I got to college, I started dating white boys and I've just experienced it all. I've honestly dated some people who are now not on board with this Black Lives Movement and I'm just like, oh my God, these are questions that I probably should have been asking beforehand. And college is just a more accepting place. So I feel like 
in college, a lot of people date interracially. It was never an issue, but in high school, I never saw it happen. And I thought that it was something that wasn't allowed when I came to college, quite frankly. And I honestly thought that white men weren't attracted to me. That's fucking heartbreaking. When you're from Birmingham, which is deep South, as we talked about, um, as as you had said, start of civil rights movement, but also kind of funny because they're really behind on it too. And so I can see, even if in your high school is accepted, I can imagine similar to Tennessee, going out as an interracial couple probably were not treated equally, were not treated how you deserve to be treated. And it's hard enough being a woman and dating. Fuck that. Like to have to worry that the race that you're attracted to isn't attracted back. Mm-hmm. God. That sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to have the right words for that. Then that's bullshit. And it sucks. It sucked, but college was a great experience for me. Tennessee is still in the South, but in my experience, it hasn't been as racially motivated as Alabama was. And also college campuses are known to be liberal. Nobody really gives a fuck what people are doing. We're all about do what you want, do what's best for you, personal growth kind of thing. So I really haven't had any issues with interracial dating on my college campus. Yeah, I've seen some weird shit go down that actually is weird shit. So like (laughs) no one's going to judge things that are completely normal, like interracial dating. I'm like, there's like four people making out the same time in a library corner. You know what? We're all going to keep our mouth shut and learn our fucking place. And that is none of your business who you would like to have sex with or who you would like to take you to dinner. I truly can't. It is in your family. Okay, you say Oreo. I'm guessing that means that you are black on the X outside, act white on the inside. I'm just yeah. context cluing it here. Okay. <laughs> is there anyone in your family who has interracially dated? Is there any interracial couples that you're around for like kind of to go off of or talk to? Not really. Everyone in my family hasn't really dated interracially. And it's just kind of funny because everyone in my family, they've they've always known. Like I remember being in middle school and my mom telling me like, it's okay to date people of other races. I think everybody in my family kind of pegged me to be the one person to step out and do something different and not care what other people think, because that's kind of how I've always been. I've always been the outspoken person in my family, the person that's going to stand up for what I believe in, no matter what anybody else believes. And so I think for my family, they're really supportive about it, but it hasn't been done yet. And I think they know that I'll probably be the first one to do it and not give a shit what anybody thinks. <laughs> Good for you. I love that. I love that. I would say, and I hate that it's, I, I hate that it's I hate something. that it's even a thing. Exactly. It shouldn't even be a thing. Exactly. Like the fact that you have to think about it, that it's, think, I love your mom already for the fact that she's like, listen, whatever is getting you on, whatever you're feeling, <laughs> you do that. Because I, I don't know. Dating's hard enough, love's hard enough, college is hard enough, mm-hmm. that whole shit is hard enough that I can't imagine being attracted to someone who then worrying about how your family felt, how their family felt, how you're going to be treated by people who are your friends, how you're treated by people you don't know. I just, I don't know. I That's another fucking privilege I have that. Yeah. And I do think, and tell me if I'm wrong, I feel as if too, like what I've seen is that black women dating those of other races seems to be judged more than if I were to date a black man as a white woman. Like that seems normalized. Mm-hmm. It's not really seen as much as black women dating outside of their race. And I don't understand. I don't know why, but when black men date white women, it's fine. 
but the other way around, it's like this big deal. People think that if you date outside of your race as a black woman, that you have some like vendetta against black men. Like, excuse me, you're allowed to like what you like, sir. There's another fucking men trying to control. <laughs> That's one thing we got in common in <laughs> their races is boys not shutting the fuck up and letting us do what we want. Exactly. Lord have mercy. I can't. Can I just interject something really yes. quick about the school thing? Because I, I'm from Pennsylvania and I don't want people to think that just because it's in the North that we did any better. Mm-hmm. I went to a high school that had like, I think looking back, I can count on two hands the amount of black students that I shared my school with. And that was like for all for three years of of schools in my entire high school. So I'm just putting it out there because I know people that I went to high school with listen to this podcast too. And they probably up until this point are like, you better fucking say something because we sucked in high school too. Um, so it's not just a Southern issue by any stretch of the imagination. It is, it's a worldwide issue. We're talking about in the context of America. So saying just cause, just cause something's in the North geographically and because maybe like we vote differently does not mean that discrimination doesn't exist in those places too, because it absolutely does. Did you have more interracial dating? Because that's something, I mean, until we started talking about it, I didn't think about it. Morgan, did you see more interracial dating? Because I feel like going, the few times I've been up north with you, it seemed more common. Yeah, we had some interracial couples in in high school and more in college. I, You know, there's a couple that I can think of off the top of my head. One of them just got married a year or so ago, and they have this, like, gorgeous son, and they're both freaking the fuck out right now oh my god and having to have this conversation with a fucking toddler and it's heartbreaking it is do you have siblings raya i have an older brother he's five years older than me he's five years older how are like how is he handling it how's your family i mean i'm sure you're nervous too i think that based on how the media portrays police brutality we've seen a pattern of it affecting black men more than black women and honestly i think just in society alone White people are fucking scared of black men. You see a black man on the street, you're going to walk away from him. Walk up the street just so you don't have to walk past him. Clutch your purse. You know, give him a side eye. Be on your phone. And I think that there's just this whole narrative formed around black men that they're violent, that they're criminals, that they're thugs. And I know my brother went to Auburn University in Alabama. And there were so many times where he'd be followed by police officers on his way home back to his dorm. And he's gotten a ticket before for playing his music too loud in his car. He had so many speeding tickets and he would just tell my mom, like, I was five miles above the speed limit. He just really felt that he was being racially profiled. Yeah. I'm sure he was being racially profiled. I got pulled over going 15 over, I don't know, what was it more? I I was talking to you, Derek. I was coming home from an ER shift. That's totally, well, obviously probably being white too. I'm not discounting that, but I was in my (laughs) ER scrubs going over from an ER shift and I got out of it going 15 over. Five over is racial profiling. (laughs) That is just, it is what it is. Fuck that noise. And getting followed on your way home to your dorm on a fucking college campus. That is a thousand million percent racial profiling. I can't. Yeah. That never happened to me. No, absolutely not. You know, again, such a limited perspective, not trying to make this, but as I said, I I work more inner city, a large patient demographic I have is African-American. And one thing that I've said repeatedly is 
You know how a lot of men don't grasp why women feel unsafe walking to their cars. You know, we'll have our keys between our fingers. I carry a taser. I have girlfriends who have mace. African-American men who are most of my patients will way more likely give me some space. They'll let me know I'm safe most of the time. Like they acknowledge that they, I'm gonna feel uncomfortable as a woman walking alone. 10 times over any white man thinking twice. A white man will walk up fucking behind me and sneak up behind me and I'll go to taste his ass because he's so privileged in his own brain that he doesn't have to acknowledge anyone else. And I would say 9.9 times out of 10, if an African-American man sees me and I'm walking alone, he will do what he can to make me feel safe. And I think it's just because they've spent so much of their life I have to be being nervous that I'm going to accuse him of something or that he doesn't want me to feel as scared as he feels. But I wouldn't, I grew up in Brentwood, okay? I would not have known that experience, that any of that shit until I worked at the job I work out now and I'm, I'm around it more and more comfortable with it. But most people, I would say my grandmother probably would be way more scared of walking down the street with a large black man where I'm going to pick his side because he's going to give me space. He's going to stay six feet away. He's not going to make me feel endangered. Whereas, you know, my homeless white dude is going to be crawling up behind me, asking me for a dollar, not giving me like even an arm strength. Mm -mm. But again, if I wouldn't have been around it, I wouldn't have known that at all. 100% think it's definitely a, they have to do anything they can to not even let anything cross your mind to, I guess, start something for you to accuse them about. They don't want to be accused for anything. A black man can literally be walking down the street. And if a white woman says that she's being harassed, for some reason, we believe her narrative over the black man's. That's. I, we see it now on social media. We see posts like this all the time. All these quote unquote Karens calling the cops on people like in parks, on the street, you know, having barbecues outside all of these little bullshit 911 calls. And let me just put this out there. 911 is not a fucking customer service line for white people, okay? It's for emergencies. <laughs> you're not you know, wrong. you're clogging up a system that was meant to, you know, respond to emergent situations. And, you know, a bunch of black people hanging out on the street grilling and listening to music is the opposite of an emergency. Yeah. It's not a thing. Most um, they just feel like they're being inconvenienced and they know that their white privilege gives them the security that if they call 911, they will strike fear in a black man's eyes and that they will probably be believed by police officers. That sucks. I'm sorry. That's like the one line I have. It sucks. And the only thing that we have to compare it to in my head is like women sharing their experiences with sexual assault and not being believed, which is wrong and frustrating but when you think about this with black men it's their full-time job to make it seem like they're just being a normal person and not trying to do anything fucked up when they're literally just being a normal person and not trying to do anything fucked up it's like how can i act natural while i'm literally just walking down the street and i love that you pointed out how you have to find something that resonates more with you to really get the big picture and to kind of place yourself in someone else's shoes. So I've had a lot of friends that have reached out to me or have been confused about certain things. And I have used the sexual assault thing to make it make sense to them. So there's actually a video that is being reposted all over Facebook. I don't know if you guys know who Candace Owens is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
She is a black woman who is a faithful Trump supporter. And she came out with a video basically saying that we shouldn't be posting George Floyd's image all over the place because that's painting him as a hero when in fact he was a criminal. So she starts listing off all of the crimes that he committed in the past. And she's saying that if he were to have less run-ins with police officers, then he would have less of a chance of being killed. And I saw that one of my friends reposted this video and was like, this definitely makes sense. It's coming from a Black woman, so we should listen to her because this is her experience. Also, I can totally see how bad choices equal bad outcomes. And I personally texted her and I said, you took psychology. Correlation does not equal causation. One. Yes. (laughs) That's the same thing as saying a woman should limit all encounters with men to avoid being sexually assaulted. Or that she shouldn't have drank before or worn that outfit or whatever. Yeah. Fuck. No. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, ma'am. We're not doing that. No, because the police should know how to fucking interact with people and de-escalate situations every time they interact with someone who's who is suspected of doing something illegal. That's actually horseshit. Oh. Isn't she the actress from Clueless? I don't think she is. I think the the actress from Clueless is also a Trump supporter. Here's I'm the thing. It. You get <laughs> okay. I have an issue with a lot of high level like police and court involvement. You get to go to court and be convicted of a crime. And if he had murdered someone, let alone just used a possible fake $20 bill, murdered someone, he still gets to go to court and have a trial and be convicted. They don't get to just go ahead and charge him or do anything right off the bat, let alone fucking murder him because that's murder. And you do not just, even if you see someone shoot somebody in the street, you don't just immediately shoot them. That's not how this shit works. So even if he was on drugs, even if he was committing a crime, if he was committing a crime, yes, he probably was going to get arrested and go to jail. And then he'd have his due process. He would go to court. He would have a trial of his peers, all of that. He did not deserve to die. There is no realm, possible realm. And if you've done healthcare, Raya, Morgan does healthcare, we know what it fucking sounds like when someone says, I can't breathe and they're dying. All of the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you have this fight or flight instinct and you are a goddamn monster if you do not immediately want to do that for anyone. If someone had killed someone and I heard them say, I can't breathe, how do you not respond to that? Sorry. Especially right now with COVID. (laughs) It's just like extra bullshit. It's just extra it is like it's just you know it's not the cherry on top it's literally just like an entire other fucking sunday at the other side of an entire fucking sunday and it's just as a white person it's overwhelming and it's hard to deal with so i'm just really glad that you're here raya to talk with us because you offer a perspective and you're probably even more overwhelmed than we are and Honestly, just in the middle, I just want to say thank you for even taking the time because I'm sure it feels like a lot right now. It definitely is a lot, but I've been kind of feeling like I've been called to educate people. And I will say, first and foremost, as Black people, it's not our job to educate white people. So maybe not, don't text your friends and ask them, like, how can I learn? How can I educate myself? Because that's what Google's for. 
Also, it's not fair that in school we have to learn about white history and black history is literally what a chapter, a unit. Uh, I spent yeah. my entire high school, middle school, elementary school career learning about your history. And now you want to ask me about mine. Pick up a book, watch a movie on Netflix, Google it. But for me, it's kind of like I feel like I don't get offended when people don't know. And that's not the case with everyone. People will fucking get offended because you don't know because you should know. But for me, I'd rather be that person that is going to be the voice of reason that's going to tell you it's okay that you don't know, but it's not an excuse anymore. Let's learn. Mm-hmm. And I don't want white people to be afraid to have this conversation because they're afraid of saying the wrong things. You're not supposed to know everything about this issue because you've never experienced it. So I just, I just urge everyone to do their research, to do as much as you can, because there's so much out there that we can learn about. And what you learned in school about Black history wasn't even the half of it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I suck at white history. And then we learned that the other 11 months of the year, basically. So I am uneducated as hell. I'm bad at history, but also politics. And have you ever heard of uh, Brene Brown? She does like a lot. Oh, God, I love the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. I was listening to something because I was kind of trying to f- a better way to explain empathy on here for people. I was mistaught as a kid that empathy is feeling something for someone that they've also been through. But obviously, I, you have given a hundred examples in this half an hour that we haven't been through. But I do know the feeling of fear. I do know a feeling of like shame or being like left out. Like we're using women examples because that's the only thing we have to draw from. And it's not the same. It's not the same scale, but we've felt something similar so I know everyone in their life have had a similar feeling. And so I can have empathy with the black community and want to be better and learn to use the feelings I've had to have empathy. And I don't have to have felt I haven't had to been through what you've been through to fucking sit in this with you and be like, this sucks. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't hear the racist comments. I'm not going to turn the lights on and make you turn off your feelings. I'm we're going to learn. We're going to be better. And we will. We don't want to put that on you in this episode at all. We, we want you to tell your stories, what you feel like you want to share. We will handle the resources. We can handle the busy work. That's not your fucking job. You've done enough already. (laughs) You've handled more than enough already. I will say, I did have one question, and then if you don't feel comfortable answering this, I was talking with Sierra, because Sierra is, um, she's an Enneagram 8. She's a fucking crusader for justice, and she loves the shit out of you, and um, we were just talking. I was like, Sierra, like, I know I want to be better, use this to be better at what we're doing. And one super fucking trivial, so this is trivial, thing is, but it's a big part of our generation, is social media stuff. My body is more similar to an African-American body than a white body. I'm, gonna be t- I'm curvy just like Sierra. Like, she's short and curvy. I'm tall and curvy. And I'm like, I don't follow any black influencers, really. The few I do, it's because they're interior designers and cooks, which I love following them. But I did not make a conscious effort to follow African-American women for makeup, for skincare, for fashion. And that's like a very small aspect of my life where I wasn't putting in effort, let alone seeking out black businesses. Is there anything else? Again, I'm not asking you to educate that 
we're missing that we're not putting the effort in on? I think a big thing is just amplifying black voices. So I've seen a lot of people like share cool things that they've found on Instagram, but they were created by white people. So I keep seeing all these things about like how to support the black lives matter movement posted by a white person that is being flooded through my timeline. And it's like, I love that people are making these graphics, but right now is the time to amplify black voices. And the best way to do so is to amplify the voices that have been there, that have experienced it, that actually can give you hands-on knowledge onto how to be a better ally and how to help us through this movement. So that's my first and foremost thing. Like, don't be posting from all these Enneagram Instagram accounts made by 40-year-old white women. They're doing a great job. Their graphics are cute, but they've never been in my shoes. So how can they really tell you how to properly support the Black Lives Matter movement? Absolutely. Also, I would just say donate. So a lot of people think that they need to donate to the bail funds and to supplies for rioters or protesters and things like that. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. But you can find a Black organization that has a mission that you totally support and that you connect with and you can donate to them. So I posted on my Instagram, on my story, there is an organization called the Loveland Foundation. And they actually cover the cost of therapy sessions for black women and girls. And I feel like right now that is so needed, especially because we are going through a pandemic. Many people have been furloughed and they can't afford to pay for maybe the weekly therapy that they used to go to. And then on top of that, we're having this whole racial injustice movement and they probably really need to go more than ever. So I donated to that foundation because I feel like that was an important cause that I could relate to. I go to therapy every single week and it is a blessing for me. So I can't imagine dealing with the pandemic, dealing with all this racism and this racial divide going on and not having the means to actually go and talk through with someone that can help me. That's genius. We are big proponents of therapy here. We love therapy. We I don't know if you listen to the other episodes. Big fans of therapy. So Make It Work will be making a donation. Absolutely. And we love need it. yes, we love that. We need we'll we'll definitely tag your Instagram, obviously. Um, because it's true. Again, we do think part of it's our responsibility to talk to other white people because you're not heard enough. So we wanted to talk, but that's why we want to bring you on here. Cause it's like, what the fuck are we going to say to help other white people without help? Like we can say what we're screwing up. We can say we need help as much as I don't want to put it on you. We do need you. So, but you do what you're doing. We'll boost you from the loudspeakers and hope that we can get you as many people as possible. Definitely. Yeah. Also, I was, you say you listen to podcasts a lot. I also, that's another thing I realized, like I said, I was not following African-American influencers at all, which I'm like, why the fuck? I'm following all these girls who do the same skin tone for skincare, but their bodies don't look like mine, like at all. And I, that is on me. So there's no reason other than low key racial judging to not be following them. And I also realized on podcasts at the bottom, of a podcast page, they have like recommended podcasts if you listen to this. And Brene Brown was our first one. And then there was this podcast that I had not seen before, but it was two African-American hosts. And I'm not gonna lie, I do not know of many podcasts that have charted with African-American hosts. And as something that says Morganized other passion project, passion job, 
and it's just not a field we see African Americans in at all. Mm-hmm. Have, is there is that a lack of education we don't know and that you know of more, or is that just a field that's not tapped into yet? I think it's a little bit of both, but also I think it is just really hard for African Americans to tap into certain fields. So one of the influencers that I follow on Instagram actually said that she submitted her application for the like it to know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, you know you like your picture and it tags all your outfit stuff for you or whatever and it helps you gain more followers and all this stuff and it's a partnership and they get paid off links and stuff like that which is a way to get income yes she had applied five times she had a bunch of followers was always denied and she said that people with half the followers of her were actually accepted into the program and they were actually white. So there's just a lot of behind the scenes racism going on in this industry. And I just think it's kind of hard to get the following and to get out there. And because a lot of it is partnerships. And if brands aren't wanting to back you, then it's hard to get your name out there. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if I didn't have the equipment that we have, I mean, the huge reason why I can do this is because my boyfriend does this and he has a show. I mean, this is expensive to start. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have the resources and I can imagine there's not a lot of people, it just seems like it's access is in there for them to podcast as much, or I, I'm not sure, or maybe they're not getting on podcast networks and they're not getting boosted. So they are having podcasts, but they're not charting. I don't, it's just been like thing after thing after thing this week, which I guess is what this was all supposed to start. I just, I'm angry that it took me this long. But I didn't know if that was like a, I'm glad it's both. It's not just my own ignorance that it is a smaller field. I can't believe that because like to know it would be a huge, that's a way for her to monetize that career path. So that is directly inhibiting her from putting all that work in on Instagram to be able to make money off ads. Mm -hmm. God. Fuck that. I'm sorry. Fuck all of this. Fuck fuck all of this. I hate it. I hope... I I know I've learned so much and I I hope that people listening to this, you know, we when we did this intro before you came on, Raya, we were saying this is by far the most important episode we've ever done. You are our first guest we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope people share this just because I feel like I've gotten fucking schooled. Mark, do you feel like you've gotten educated as fuck? Yeah, I need to like put myself in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> well, without putting pressure on to close out to educate. What is your ultimate goal? Like if we can help, I know that charity, we are all fucking on board with that. We will make sure to make a post because I, that is on brand. Love that. Yes. What, what is your, Morgan, how do I word this? You know, goals. Not goal. Like, it's not like a, where do you see yourself in five years (laughs) question. So don't ask that for fuck's sake. I'm like, motherfucker. I know. We're not like interviewing her for a job, Stephanie. I know. Well, I do want her to come work with us. (laughs) (laughs) Rhea, you are welcome back anytime. (laughs) Yes. You've been lovely. (laughs) I think what we want to know is what are you hoping for moving forward? Whether it's something specific with like, in my opinion, I think being a cop needs to become harder. I think there needs to be a lot more education, possibly even like a mandatory bachelor's degree, psych evaluations before they are allowed to be on the force, that kind of thing, like a very specific goal. And then 
or do you have just kind of like your utopian future? Like, what are you looking for? What do you hope the world looks like when you're too old to march in a protest anymore? Hopefully there won't be a need for one. Um, Honestly, I totally agree with you. I think it should be much harder to become a police officer. If it was some kind of bachelor's degree, I think that would kind of show if people were in it for the right reasons. But I also think we need more Black individuals to join the police force um, so that we can make a change within. Also, we need more people to vote. Like me and my mom were talking and we were like, we just need someone to go to these protests so they can register people to vote while they're marching because we're not going to make any difference until we are actually out there at the polls. And honestly, I'm just going to be real with you. A lot of people at those protests, I can't tell you if they're registered voters because unfortunately, a large percentage of the black community doesn't show up when it's time to vote. And so that's a big thing that needs to change. But also, it's going to take a lot of work to change the society because I'm sure you guys have heard of systemic racism. Um, That's something that I'm really passionate about because this system was designed for Black people to fail. And where you live, what zip code you live in determines what school you're going to go to. It determines the kind of education you're going to get. And Quite frankly, if you're not going to the best school, you're probably in a neighborhood that is surrounded by pressures to, you know, be on the streets, be in a gang. And the way that the whole jail system is set up, it was meant to prosecute Black individuals. So there are so many Black individuals that are in prison for misdemeanors, for having possession of drugs and things like that. And compared to white individuals that are in prison for the same crimes, it's not even comparable. So it's just a systemic thing. It's something that's going to take a really long time to change. The first thing I say is that we need to start seeing color. I'm so tired of this bullshit where people are like, I don't see color. I am colorblind. I love everyone. That is all good and dandy, but God did not create different colors for no reason or else we would all be beige. Yeah. He created people for a reason. I'm tired of people fucking saying that God doesn't see color. If he didn't see color, he wouldn't have created me. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like until you guys can actually see a black person and see the history, the struggle, how the black makes them beautiful, we're not going to go anywhere. And so I just think it's just a whole mindset change. It's going to take more than, you know, a Blackout Tuesday post or sharing things. It's going to take a lot. But I think this is an awesome movement that's been happening. I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter and seen that, like, the Amish were out there protesting. (laughs) I live live where the Amish are. (laughs) They felt it. They knew. It's unbelievable (laughs) that they are out in the sunlight, honestly. (laughs) Like, these bitches don't even have social media, and they're out here protesting. They're like, I'm here. We knew. We've been waiting for you fuckers to catch up, okay? We're, like, all the behind, but also all the ahead at the same time. Exactly. It's so true. We We had an episode, like, obviously, Morgan and I are whiter than fucking white, right? But Morgan's Jewish, and Mm -hmm. just, not, not, but similar to being black, that's a culture, Black, being African-American and there's, you know, there's African-African-American, there's Caribbean-African-American. That is a fucking culture. So pretending like I'm the same as Morgan, who's Jewish and I'm Catholic. We have different cultures. You and I have different cultures. We have different histories. We grew up different ways. We're better together. 
we have more to teach each other. Mm -hmm. I've sure shit learned a lot. I can't agree enough. You know, being more comfortable. I'm bad about shying away from conversations that make me uncomfy and I will work on that. But saying black, saying African-American, acknowledging there's a difference and not pretending like your life is just like mine, I guess, is what I'm picking up and just trying harder. Exactly. Yeah. Educating your friends. If your white friends are saying some bullshit that, you know, is racist, call them out on it. And if they don't think it's racist, maybe you shouldn't be friends with them. Yeah, it's true. Cut that toxic shit out of my life. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Rhea, we have loved having you. Thank you so much for coming on. Again, we'd love to have you anytime, especially since you have a culinary degree coming up. I will. <laughs> we are big foodies, so we might have to pick your brain about that. Or literally anytime you want to come on and talk, we would love to have you. Yes, I'm such a big foodie, so next episode. Yes, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be a fun conversation. And hopefully the world will be in a slightly better, more elevated, educated place by then. Yes, hopefully. Yes, it was so nice to meet you. We will make sure and tag Rhea and put her Instagram on here. Um, we will put links to the charity she feels passionate about because we want to get involved with that. And then I also wrote down, I want to make sure, I think that's a genius point to put up a vote to sign up to register to vote. Yes. So I'll make sure and put all the information on there. Thank you for coming to talk to us. It was great meeting you and we'll see you soon. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you, Raya. Y'all, we couldn't have asked for a better human being to come in and be our first guest. Morgan and I, well, I feel equally parts ashamed in that I didn't see this stuff and also so thankful that I was able to be connected to somebody who could help us. I can't thank Ray enough. That episode was incredible. It was incredible, not in like a, that was awesome way. You know, it was incredible. And in like a, having a face-to-face conversation with someone who's gone through things that we have not gone through. And it's important right now to, like she said, elevate those voices that have been systemically silenced. And that's fucked up. I'm not okay with that at all. And so I think that you and I, even, you know, like with podcast recommendations, TikTok, Instagram, all of that stuff, you know, we're going to do better in supporting with our likes and our follows, which sounds small, but like also recommending them to you guys. I feel like seeing more is an extremely small first step. We're still uh, six, I can't do math, five months out from the election. So we haven't had our big political conversation yet, but get registered to vote now if you're not and get ahead of the game. Make sure that you're ready to go in November because this issue has been around for hundreds of years and it's not going away. And the only way that we can make a difference policy wise is to vote for the people who will do that in November. Yes. And so we hopped off, talked to Ray real quick after the interview in honor of her and i mean like i said she didn't fucking owe us that you guys in no way she the african-american community has been put through enough the fact that we have someone empathetic enough to take the time to teach us to take an hour out of her night the least we can do is carry the small bit of weight to promote the black creators like morgan said we're gonna put make sure we put a link to register to vote we're gonna make it fucking easy for you easy quick boom done we'll make sure you have access to resources you know we also i think something we wouldn't have thought about before this episode, make sure that we have lists put together by black creators. Absolutely. Yeah. So we not just 
I have not personally looked into that. I've seen a resource. I've been like, this is something that I can, I, if I share it, I'll save it for later. I can use it. But I never checked to see if it was a black creator putting it together. Right. We got to start checking. Yeah. So, you know, let's try to make this shit an equal playing field. Please share this episode. Even if you want me to put the timestamp for when Rhea was talking in here, y'all need it. You know, everybody in your life needs it. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sitting in the hard stuff with us and listening because this is what we got to do. And yeah, it's not our funny giggly sex episode, but this shit is even more important than an orgasm. Okay. And we do not say that lightly. No, we take that very seriously here. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is by far the most important episode and we've talked about a lot. So like I said, we are going to work on organizing our resources, making sure that we do have black creators cited where we can make sure they're incorporated into things, the voting, all that good stuff. So come hang out on our social media. Morgan, where is that? Instagram at make it work podcast, Twitter at make it work pod, facebook.com slash make it work podcast and make it work podcast at gmail.com. All right, y'all. Well, we think this is a bit too serious to do fuck, Mary kill probably this week. So on this note, we're out. We love you. Good night, Morg. Love you. Good night. Love you too.